in conjunction with Crosscheck Media and Biz Talk Today TV. Welcome everyone to Buy Hold Sell's 24 2024 special on the sport of lacrosse. I am your host Todd Schoenberger and I am joined by my longtime friend and current ESPN anchor Chris Cotter. Chris, welcome to the program. Man, good to see you again, Todd. Good as always. Likewise. Well, I got to ask you, I mean, what a year last year in lacrosse. So many great storylines, not just on the NCAA side with men's and women's, but also with the PLL, with them expanding to their eight eight cities. It's just so many great things that are happening. So there's so much to look forward to this year. But I have to ask you, what are you looking forward to the most in 2024? Well, yeah, that's like a, a loaded question. I could take up all the time talking about all the things I'm looking forward to. But I think most lacrosse fans are kind of like me in the sense that they've been waiting for the return of Syracuse and Hopkins to the top of the sport. It's been a little bit of a while. And I think this year both teams make big strides and take big steps to get up there. So to me, I'm kind of thinking, okay, Last year was a step in the right direction for both these programs. Now I think a big step could be had this year where both of them could legitimately say, look, we got a chance to go to championship weekend this year. You could see a Syracuse Hopkins play uh, in Philadelphia. So I think everyone's really kind of looking forward to saying, okay, is, is this for real? You know, these teams will get tested early. They both play terribly tough schedules. You know, I think about Syracuse and Maryland in week three of the season on the 17th of February up in the Dome. Yeah. Big test for both programs. You know, it's like yeah. Maryland is saying to themselves, wait a minute, we're the top dog in the Big Ten. Uh, everyone's talking about Hopkins being back. Everyone's talking about Michigan now finally kind of making that step and being a, maybe being a powerhouse. We're the big dog in the Big Ten, and we're going to show it by taking on this Syracuse team that's an upstart that's got all kinds of talent, a crazy amount of talent, and let's see if they put it all together early on in the year. So I would say th- that storyline, Hopkins-Syracuse, and the battles that those two teams will face in terms of securing their spots back at the top of the sport, that's number one for me. Yeah, I have to say, Inside Lacrosse actually has Hopkins winning the Big Ten. They have Maryland as a wild card. I mean, it's yeah. hard to believe that that would be the case. So many greats. I mean, that that's so much to look forward to. And you are right. It is leading up to the Final Four weekend in Philadelphia. I got to ask you, though, with the Division One men's season, we'll get into the women's side in a second. But on men's, it just seems there's so many great teams because of the transfer portal. You have so many key players that have left those shiny type of programs that have moved on to, say, the St. Joe's and, and uh, Marquette's that are out there, Michigan as well. So you got some programs that were not your traditional winners that really are, are right, you know, really looking at their rising their programs to the level of that elite status. What do you think? Are we last year I asked you the question if you thought we were going to be more top heavy rather than spread out? Do you think the talent is spread out enough to really have a lot more competition this year? Yes, yeah, interesting thought. And I, I don't think it's enough though. You know, I, I still think that it's going to be top heavy. Um, you know, I, I just submitted my top 20 for the media poll and preseason. I still have three teams in the ACC at the top. I got the defending champs, Notre Dame. I got Duke and I got Virginia. Those three teams I think are just better than everybody else. It's not to say that those three teams are going to be on championship weekend, because like you said, there's a, there's a, you know, a pitfall just waiting in the wings, you know, like army coach Albarisi once again has army They're I think, you know, they're the odds on favorite of the Patriot. I think they'll win that league, but BU's not bad either. So you kind of have like, 
there's some other teams that are there that are, are just waiting in the wings to maybe surprise. The Ivy, to your point about the transfer portal, is interesting because with COVID, we're just now getting to the end of the COVID transfer deal where Ivy Leaguers, they only got four years to play uh, unless they take a semester off, which some players are doing right now, like uh, Sharp, this player for Yale who tore up his knee, taking spring off so it doesn't count against him so he can come back and play next year. But all those players that were there at these Ivy League schools, like these two midfielders, you know, English, uh, going to Syracuse, they want an extra year to play. And they've already used those those years at the Ivy League school. So they're going to the, the powerhouses, the Penn States, Syracuse, brought in a lot of great transfers. How about Rutgers? Coach Brecht at Rutgers is, is like perfect in the yeah. transfer portal, man. He goes out and gets six, eight kids, it seems, every year that are going to help him and build his depth. So yeah. I think as much as those other programs are getting better, I think that the rich are getting even richer because they're they're digging into the IVs, they're getting some of these players that are tried and true. And, you know, Coach Gate can just plug them into his lineup there at Syracuse. And when you look now this year, he's had two top recruiting classes, throw in four or five top-notch transfers that can play right away. His midfield is really bolstered by transfers. And you're saying to yourself, look at the talent plus experience that those transfers bring in, and it's a good formula for them. So that's why I think those top three teams, like I said, in the ACC, plus the Big Ten is going to have two or three teams that are going to have a say at the end of the day. And Cornell's really good out of the Ivy. So let's that's not right. sleep on Cornell and Yale, even though they're dealing with some injuries right now. I still yeah. think those those three conferences, Denver and Georgetown, good out of the Big East. Mm -hmm. Those top three conferences, plus those two teams and an Army team out of the Patriot. I think that's those are the teams you really got to look at. Those are your top ones. Why Rutgers? I mean, with that transfer portal, they're the Florida State of NCAA lacrosse with all those transfer kids. It's nuts. But it is nuts. One thing that you have this year that we haven't seen in a few years is the ACC tournament. So you're going yeah. to have a fifth team that's going to be left out of that tournament. And you are right. It is such a powerhouse conference. But you might have a team that will be losing that strength of schedule metric once the NCAA committee gets together, making up their decision. So it's, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And that tournament's the first weekend in April. So many eyeballs. I know you guys will have full coverage on that one. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, so, the, the, the irony on that thing is those teams play such a tough schedule anyway. If you're the top one of the top four teams in the ACC, two years ago notwithstanding, you're going to go to the NCAA tournament. It's that fifth team that might need that extra win to yeah. get in, and that team's not going to have a chance because they're going to be left out of the ACC tournament. Yeah, you're right about that. You're right. So let's let's flip uh, flip the script here a little bit on the women's side. So one thing that I recognized last year, you had Northwestern. They won the championship on the women's side. Notre Dame won it on the men's side. I think this is the first time you have had two teams in the same year, two schools that weren't your traditional East Coast teams that won the national championship. Really shows you the growth of the sport as it migrates west. With uh, on the women's side, do you see any opinions there? Maryland's always been a powerhouse. North Carolina, that's top heavy. I think that side of it on the yeah. women's side. Do you see Northwestern coming back, repeating, or at least contending for the championship? Yeah, I do. I love Northwestern and Izzy Skane. And I think that, you know, one thing that I don't know whether it's more than in the men's sports, I kind of feel like it is because you look at basketball sometimes, you look at softball, you just have these teams that are so dominant in the women's sports. And I think 
yeah, there might be two or three that shuffle in there, like you were talking about with the Maryland's and the Syracuse and the traditional teams, uh, North Carolina, Boston College, uh, in, in women's yeah. lacrosse. But now you throw in a Northwestern in there, and they've been you know, Florida for a little while now, Northwestern. And I feel like, man, when these powerhouses get going, they are tough to stop, and you get a dominant player like you, know, you had in North Carolina the last couple of years and Boston College clearly over the last couple of years. I think Northwestern has that this year. I like them to repeat. Yeah, yeah. And the, the final four for women's lacrosse is so exciting. There's so much to look forward to. I mean, if, if you're not a fan, you definitely want to to take a look because it is it's very exciting. And there's the crowds energized. I mean, especially I know it's going to be held in Cary, North Carolina again. And they get a big draw there. Yeah. I remember seeing it at Hopkins a couple of summers ago. I mean, my goodness. I mean, I think they were eight deep just wrapped around Homewood. So pretty amazing. Well, that just to, shows to you. Like, Todd, you think about the growth of the sport down south. You know, I'm in Atlanta. It's really growing here by leaps and bounds. And, you know, you talk about Cary, North Carolina, and the strength of the Carolinas, especially for women's lacrosse, women's sports in general. I mean, that you think about UNC, really. Yeah. I mean, you can look at any school across the country for women's sports in the last 20 or 30 years. North Carolina, you got to put them up the top with Stanford and some of these other schools that just year in, year out have great women's sports programs. But a lot of that is the fact that high schools in that area are are picking up the sport. You know, look at Charlotte and the PLL. They had eight cities to choose, and one of those cities was Charlotte. The only city in the South was Charlotte. That goes to tell you how much the sport is growing in North Carolina. And women's lacrosse is coming down the Atlantic seaboard. And places like uh, North Carolina and Georgia and Tennessee, they're really starting to play the sport there. Florida, no question. Yeah, you're right. So sticking with that subject, I, I want to ask you about conference realignment. Because now with USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten, should we expect in the future a an automatic where USC is flying into College Park to play Maryland? <laughs> I think so, yeah. And, and the, the interesting part about that is we've seen in the women's sport – growth out West more than the men's sport. You know, you right. think about the, the NCAA tournament for women has so many more teams than, than the men do. Oregon, Southern California sports uh, schools and whatnot play very good lacrosse, uh, Colorado, the Colorado schools. So you think about that in the women's sport and you got to ask yourself, okay, now with the schools from the, from the West coast coming to the big 10, is there going to be a thought of, Hey, let's, there's a lot of money. I mean, there's plenty yeah. of money. Let's think about adding, men's lacrosse um, and see if, if that could be a moneymaker for us. And so I think that's going to be interesting to see when you talk about conference realignment is the traditional lacrosse schools now welcoming in some of these schools, whether it's from the South or from the West into their conferences and whether those schools now look at it and say, now that the money is so big and there's some expansion in sports and do we want to get into this sport. Do the big 10 schools want to get into some of the more traditional West coast sports you know, I know Penn State's great volleyball. They've got a great volleyball tradition. Some of the other Big Ten schools say, oh, look what yeah. they're doing with, 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 you know, some of these other sports that are more traditional West Coast and maybe the, the vice versa where the West Coast schools are coming into the Big Ten and saying, you know, maybe lacrosse is something we want to get into. Stanford and the ACC. We've long talked about what school makes the most sense on the West Coast to add a men's lacrosse program. And it seems like Stanford is the one that makes the most sense. Well, now they're in the premier lacrosse conference in America. Is that enough of a push 
to push them over and, and have them make that big decision to go D1 lacrosse. It's it's certainly a thought. Well, you're right about that. And on the women's side, USC and Stanford last year were in the top 20. So there is there, it's not that those, those teams are very competitive. So yeah. to, to see them in the Big Ten and we're not Stanford, but but have USC there. And you're right. If there can be expansion, that would be ideal. I got to tell you, I mean, Anything could happen. I mean, you could see just the, the conference realignment, how it has happened. And then if you could start thinking about lacrosse and the SEC, oh, my goodness, this thing is just about to just explode. So pretty so cool, to, pretty cool to think about. Pretty cool to think about, you know, how, how you could take to our point these the same conferences we talk about every year, ACC, Big Ten, uh, you know, Big East, Ivy and start talking about the SEC and start talking about Alabama and LSU and Georgia playing men's lacrosse in big stadiums and kind of, you know, the, you, you think about Yale making a trip to play Georgia in lacrosse, like you're down in Athens, like it'd be such a cool thing to think about. And it may not right? be, so, might not be so pie in the sky. Oh my goodness. And that, we, we might only be a few years away. So, yeah. so we'll have to see. So before we go to the break, I want to ask you about the PLL. I, I think this is one of America's best success stories. I mean, it is growing. It, it's uh, they're now in their sixth or seventh year now. And uh, now they've expanded it to, to their cities where they're designating the teams to, to cities still with the same type of touring um, um, mindset of taking all the teams going to, to around the country. They put the archers, the PLL champion last year, the archers, they designated them to Utah. I got to tell you, Chris, I don't think Utah has ever won a championship ever in anything. I could be wrong. I, I, Carl Malone's probably going nuts right now, <laughs> but, <laughs> but with that, I mean, what do you see for the PLL this year? I know we're a few months away, but are there any big favorites out there or is it just going to be even Steven on the competition? Well, one thing, you know, the two years since we've had them at ESPN, I like the fact that you've had a lot of competition every year. You know, Cannons two years ago, terrible. Last year, great. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like yeah. you can you can get different teams in the mix. Chrome two years ago, very good. Last year had a very down year. So you're kind of thinking about, okay, the seventh, eighth, team in that standings the next year is not completely out of it the talent level is so close on every team it's a chemistry issue you know you think about marcus holman going to the cannons last year and his dad as a coach huge difference i mean a total 180 degree so you could do that this year so i think it's wide open um it's anybody's championship to win uh and so and the other thing too is you think the, the pll draft which we have um early may every year uh, at yeah. ESPN on the campus can completely change the outlook of your team. I mean, one player can completely no. change everything for you. And this year, you think about Todd Schoenberger is going to go, uh, you know, and, you know, I mean, it could be Brennan O'Neill, like the Brennan mm. O'Neill sweepstakes. It's like crazy how much he could change a team's dynamic just by putting them on your roster. So every year, it could be a totally different different type of uh, scenario in terms of who could win it. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. And I, I think you meant UVA Schnellenberger, not Schoenberger, but I do like the compliment, though. <laughs> yeah, Schellenberger, that's what I meant. Yeah, you're right. You two guys that's have a, a similar game. You two guys yeah. have a similar game. <laughs> that's right, distant cousin, that's right. So let's leave it there on this block, because coming up next, i got to ask Chris about NIL deals. Are any lacrosse players taking advantage of the current setup with the name, image, likeness deals that are out there in college athletics. And we'll also get into other, a few other surprises. So please stick with us. We are on Buy Hold Sell Special Report 
when the 2024 lacrosse season will be right back. Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. Did you know virtually all vessels traveling in the U.S. have to be American-built, owned, and crewed? That's thanks to the Jones Act, which is the bedrock of the American maritime industry. On the American Maritime Podcast, we cover the topics that matter most to the 650,000 men and women of American maritime, while also being accessible for the average listener to learn about this industry. Every episode features a new guest, including congressional leaders, senior military officials, leading policy analysts, and other experts. Come aboard and listen wherever you get your podcasts or watch on the American Maritime Partnership's YouTube channel. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit fuel your purpose and connect us all we believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Buy, Hold, Sell 2024 special on the sport of lacrosse. I am joined by my friend Chris Cotter from ESPN. Chris, when we left off in the last break, we're really breaking down the men and the women's NCAA size and as well as the PLL. I want to really get in depth a little bit more here, maybe on the business side of things. And that is the NIL deals that we've been hearing about across the spectrum of all college sports. There are, I was doing some research before this art, before this interview, and it was something like 450,000 collegiate athletes are taking part some way or another in NIL deals. But I have never heard of a lacrosse player taking advantage of this. Am I mistaken or is just everybody being shut out of this? Well, I think it's what you're getting is it's more of um, what I think anyways was the true nature in terms of what NIL was intended to be from the start. And that is for a lacrosse player. And I'll circle Mitchell, Mitchell Pelkey is a, a great example. 
know, here's a kid who parlayed his lacrosse days at Ohio State into a entrepreneurial venture in order to make money. And in the past, that maybe was either at, at best frowned upon and at worst, they put the brakes on it. But nowadays with NIL and these other non-revenue Olympic sports, it's if you want to use yourself as an Ohio State lacrosse player to make content online, please do that. You can have your websites, your podcasts, whatever it is you want to do, your TikToks, your Instagrams, whatever it is that you can, however you said you can make money, utilize what you're doing with us in the Ohio State program to help you do that. And he's really forged himself a nice little um I wouldn't even say little anymore. I mean, it's a nice business of creating content online as an Ohio State lacrosse player now as a former Ohio State lacrosse player. So I think that is when you think when I think of what NIL, at least anyways, ideally high in the sky was you're a famous football player at Ohio State. You're a famous lacrosse player at Ohio State. You're a famous women's basketball player at South Carolina. Use that as a way for you to make money, whether that's being a spokesperson for X, Y, Z Whatever it is, that to me is where the opportunities are in lacrosse as opposed to, you know, a transfer quarterback going to Notre Dame. And, and you know, if you're a transfer in Division One college football as a quarterback, you're going to get $2 million wherever you go. You know, if you're going to Notre Dame or Alabama or Georgia, you're going to get $2 million. Not in lacrosse. It's just not going to happen because the money isn't there. But lacrosse offers you opportunities to make money based on your name, image, and likeness as a lacrosse player at that school. Right, right. So I, I guess where the confusion comes in is that for years, I mean, I know with my sons playing lacrosse at the youth level, they would go to these different camps, and the, there would be a camp sponsor that's putting out, you know, here we have, you know, you know, Jim Jones, Billy Bob, whatever, from all the different schools, and that was going to be the hook to get people to go, and then yeah. those kids are being paid. That's similar to an NIL deal, but that was that's been going on forever. That's there's nothing new there. So I think now the really that that entire fence has been taken down. So like you said, Pelkey in Ohio State, he could do so much. I mean, when his father Kevin played at UVA, I'm sure he was he would love to have been right uh, the endurance of these things because it was star player there. But now there's so much more. My my question for you though is that what do you have to be in college? to take advantage of the NIL deal or does the NCAA permit the high school kids to be taken advantage of this? I mean, I, I haven't, I don't know specifically about that, Todd. I can tell you that states have modified their charters in terms of the, the high school kids in those states to enable them to be able to take advantage if the opportunity arises. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think that you, you mentioned bringing the, the fences down and the gates down. That's what I think has happened. I still think that the non-revenues are trying to figure out how do now that it's not going to be illegal now that I don't have to worry about the NCAA taking eligibility away from this 17 year old. Now, how do I make it work? I think now we're in, we're still in that transition process of you're not going to get in trouble for doing it, but how do we maximize it? I think we're kind of in that zone right now and maybe the next couple of years we'll figure that out. But here's the thing, the way we're going the next couple of years, all the rules are going to be redrawn anyway, because I think there's just way too much hue and cry based on football and basketball to where we're saying it can't continue the way it is. We've got yeah. to put some sort of um, regulation. Know, yeah, we got to rein it in somehow without completely destroying it, but rein it in 
so that it's not the Wild West. And how much that affects lacrosse and volleyball and softball, I don't know, but it probably does down the road. Yeah, well, I think it would. I mean, especially when you have teams that are going to be on television. I mean, we have, so February 2nd, Groundhog Day. The first game is Mercer versus High Point. Then that kicks off that weekend. I do, when looking at on the ESPN app, there are a couple of games that are already listed. Out. They're not showing that they're going to be televised yet, but you're, you're looking at Maryland playing. I think Syracuse is playing that weekend. So yeah. when you play at those levels and you're on TV, you are going to be, you're going to have exposure. And so it just makes sense that you would be able to take part in some of these things, especially if you're a small business, you're trying to get a little bit of extra exposure, might be a way to, to throw a couple of bucks. But you are right. When you start thinking about some of these kids, you know, what there has to be some regulation because right now it's the wild, wild west. And on the lacrosse side, um, I haven't heard of many, um, many of the players yet, but time will tell when that when that changes, though. So so let's um, so let me ask you this. So one thing, Ryan Flanagan is a is on Twitter quite often uh, posting things about the club level of sports. Now, hmm. last year, I really couldn't ask these questions. My son has gone through the, the process through the clubs. Actually, he has committed to to a D1 program. So he'll be placed still in high school, but he'll be there next year. But now on the, at the club level, just going through it as a parent, there definitely seems to be where you have this business side of it, where I'm not sure it's in the best interest of the, of the kids Do you, for some of them, for some of the clubs, I should say. Yeah. What, what are your opinions on club lacrosse, especially with all these tournaments that are out there and the parents are going nuts saying, oh, my goodness, I got to be involved. Yeah, I know. It, it is um, can be a little much. And to your point, it sort of mirrors AAU basketball. I'm not saying it's you also said rightly, I think it's not everybody. Um, not everybody's in it for the buck, but there yeah. are going to be those that are in it for the buck. And the, it, it, what's best for the kids are sometimes secondary. I mean, so I think that that's going to continue from your perspective. Was it too much? I mean, was it like driving the kid to the point where he doesn't maybe not your son, but you probably know kids who are like, I don't even enjoy lacrosse anymore. I don't even want to do it anymore. Maybe they had the talent to go to the next level, but they were driven so hard. And I think this, too, is sort of why recruiting has changed a little bit and these college coaches aren't recruiting eighth graders anymore because then all of a yeah. sudden the drive takes on a whole new level with your high school, with your club all year long. So maybe that's that's probably a step in the right direction. But I do yeah. fear that these kids are being driven so hard that their enjoyment for the sport is taking a backseat. I, I have to agree with that. And I know that as a parent, I would get often overwhelmed with the continuous emails, the solicitations, Go to this tournament, go to this camp, go to a clinic, all of these you things. You have to go to this camp. Like you, you have to go. You, you don't if you don't go to this camp, your kid's gonna be behind. He's gonna be so far behind, he's never gonna play. He won't even play club lacrosse. Your kid yeah. isn't going anywhere. And the stress of it for the parents, and they would go into it and they would buy into it, and it's 24-7. My my son, my one son, who was a lacrosse player, he he ended up, he said, Look, you know what? I'm burned out. I'm going to be a runner. And that was great. He had a lot of success there. And that's fine. My other son, he went through it. He played for one of the teams in New York 
uh, called Sweet Lax. They yeah. were, they, I think that the Sweet Lax program, definitely an elite program where they really made sure that you were going to take part in certain things, but you weren't going to be just spread out, sp spreads thin. They really took advantage of, of really having that exposure to the college level. But I will say this about Sweet Lax. When they played in a league that is supposed to be filled with all of the elite teams, and there is a team, I'm not going to mention the name, but uh, located on the East Coast, that always seemed to win. They won everything. They would pull these kids from everywhere. And you never heard about the college commitments. And the parents mm -hmm. are scratching their heads wondering what's going on. Yeah, it was great that they won the 14U tournament. <laughs> but what good is it if you're not going to have a, any of these kids going to play at the next level? And I will say this final thought about Sweet Lacks. Of the twenty-four kids on the twenty of the twenty-four kids that were on the roster for the twenty twenty-four team, every single one of them received a commitment to play in college. Truly remarkable, and I think that team won yeah. two games all of last year, which is even more remarkable because <laughs> all the talent was there and the coaching too. But they uh, they definitely uh, it just goes to show you Sweet Lax's commitment was really playing at the next level. wasn't so much to win every tournament where I think some of the parents, you know, would have liked that. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a whole other story. Hey, Todd, but, but, you know, I, I got a friend, I got a family friend who plays for uh, Thunder here in Atlanta. That's yeah. a big, big time club too. And the Huge. one of the things I really liked about it was, and I don't know that much about it, but I, I do know that he plays high school football and, you know, the coaches will say all the time, I loved recruiting kids who played football, who wrestled, who played hockey. I didn't want a kid who was a lacrosse robot. 365, yep. you know, you, because that's going to burn you out and it's going to make you, you lose a little bit of love for the game. And there are also certain things in wrestling and, and hockey that you learn that are applicable to lacrosse. And I wanted those kids to get that exposure. I think that's lost in, in today's day and age. I mean, you and I, when we were kids, I played a different sport every season, every yep. year. You know, and yep. I only played, I played high school lacrosse. And then when that high school season was over, that was it. I started looking forward to football. And so, you know, I think there's a real, there's a little bit of a loss for that. And I, I, I think, I know, I don't know how your son was with it, but I think if you want to play other sports, I think don't get lost on the fact that college coaches look for kids. Not only are they okay with it, they actually look for kids who are playing yeah. these other sports. Yeah, absolutely correct. Yeah, with Colton, he did play other sports. And in high school, he he played many sports. He's still playing. He, he's a squash player now, and then he'll go into yeah. lacrosse season. And um, and the, the cardio that he gets out of that sport is amazing. And you are right. When you, as a, he was on the, the varsity swimming team for a couple of years, you know, just building up that upper body. And we talk about it with Fogos. If you're a wrestler, you know, and then you get out there and then you're a Fogo. Having that that multi-team part of it, I think college coaches really want that, whereas I think parents tend to fall into the trap of saying, oh, my goodness, I got to have my kid doing this 24-7, you know, 12 months out of the year. Right. And you need to pick a sport and focus on that, and that's what yeah. we're going to get you into college by focusing on that sport. That's right. Well, I remember Coach Daly at Brown, great coach, great program. He came right out and said, my goodness, he goes – I, he he went into Buffalo. They had a um a, a camp for for a prospect camp for all the kids here for for Brown men's lacrosse. And you know we pulled out like eight ten buckets of balls. And he thought, oh my goodness, when I was growing up, if I had a bucket of lacrosse balls, 
what that would have been like because all I did was play in the spring and and he thought it was it, he thought it was gold he couldn't imagine it and he couldn't understand why some of the kids just didn't appreciate what they actually had by having those opportunities and I see that now but I think parents have to take that step back and really relax a little bit and look at that bigger picture and unfortunately they're just not doing it and I, and I do blame some of these club teams uh not not the lb thunders you know and and the, the sweet lacks the you know with uh, prime yeah. times another one i mean those are those are the elite ones that have the interests at heart of the kid but uh but some of these smaller town ones boy oh boy i tell you they uh you gotta you scratch your it's head all about them what they're doing yeah that's right yeah, exactly exactly so listen so i see you're you're wearing your fight in the line i my maryland terps beat the Illini last week but then we lost to northwestern this is men's basketball we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> driving me crazy so you have but, to um, I mean, at Maryland, you got to at least throw in a little bit of basketball in there. Of course. Of course. Why not? Why not? So listen, we're going to leave it there, Chris. And I can't thank you enough for coming back to, to buy, hold, sell for this special report. Definitely like to do this again next year with you. There's so much to look forward to. And then next year, my son's actually playing in college. We could talk about the prospects of his team, maybe advancing to the, to a conference championship. <laughs> going to love it. There you go. So listen, on behalf of Chris Cotter on ESPN, definitely check out the ESPN TV schedule. It should be coming out soon. You're going to see Anish, Clark, Quinn, Chris, all of them. It's the A-team of college across. Definitely don't want to miss any of the games. And we got some big ones coming up in February as well with Syracuse and Maryland highlighting everything on TV for, for that for the month. So that's going to be great. So we want to thank everybody for joining us today. And we'll catch you next time. Take care. Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.